Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome to today's FEPS Talks, building on the FEPS Call to Europe annual conference taking place on 10 and 11th of June 2020 on climate change and gender equality. This podcast will take a closer look at female employment and its main challenges in relation to gender equality. As the leading progressive think tank, we strongly believe that a fair and socially just Europe cannot be achieved without gender equality. That is why we place women's rights issues at the center of our work. My name is Letizia Thyssen, FEPS Gender Equality Policy Advisor, and I have the immense pleasure to be joined here today by Alicia Homs. Uh, She's a member of the European Parliament, part of the Socialist and Democrats group, belonging to the Spanish delegation. We will have the pleasure to explore in more details how the coronavirus outbreak exacerbated her existing inequalities for women in the area of work, uh, but also economic empowerment of women. And we will discuss progressive answers to ensure a gender lens across policy action. So welcome to our podcast, Alicia. Thank you, Leticia. And well, I would like to, to take the opportunity to, to thank the FEPS team in the organization of this event. And thank you for inviting me to talk about this important topic in this important uh, moment. So thank you very much. You know that 2020 was initially hailed as the big year on the feminist agenda. Indeed, it marked the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, which was meant to be commemorated this year. But it's also when the gender equality strategy was unveiled by the European Commission in the early spring. But then suddenly, uh, plans, as you know, have been somewhat shaken up due to the obvious reasons brought about by the current uh, context. However, uh, women's expectations still lie very high. So let's immediately start with the core question that we are all concerned with today. And that is, why should 2020 become the turning point for gender equality in Europe? So, well, 2020 must be the big year on the feminist agenda, but not just this 2020. We need to do it this year and the following years because uh, there has been a lot of work already done, but there is still a lot of work to do. So we cannot continue uh, to allow that today gender gaps remain in the labor market. Women are still overrepresented in lower pay sectors. And we can also not allow that only 7.5% of board chairs and 7.7% of CEOs are women, nor than the 75% of unpaid care and domestic work is done by women. I mean, this, these numbers are unbelievable. So uh, we have to achieve a Europe with gender equality, a Europe where women are free and where we can pursue our chosen path in life. We have to move uh, toward equal opportunities to prosper economically and socially and towards a Europe where women can live and participate equally in our economy and in our society. One step to achieve all this was the one taken on the 5th of March. On that day, the European Commission adopted the new gender equality strategy that is an ambitious plan for the next five years on how to tackle these inequalities and the persistent discrimination between men and women. And the package uh, includes measures to end the stereotypes 
and gender-based violence uh, to ensure fair participation in the labor market and equal pay and to achieve a gender balance in decision making. So undoubtedly, uh, these steps serves as a boost uh, to gender equality. But as I already uh, mentioned, there is still too much to do. For this reason, it's important that all the great uh, challenges facing the European Europe uh, today, including the, the green and digital transitions and the generational change, uh, have a gender perspective but it must also be present in other policies that the European Commission is trying to, to launch, such as, for example, uh, the disability strategy uh, for 2020-2030. So to achieve this gender equality is impossible to do it without including it, this gender perspective in all EU policies and processes. So we need to keep putting the eye on, on it and taking care that we have this gender perspective in all the policies that are launched from the European Union. You mentioned that uh, the kind of Europe that we want is a Europe where women are enabled to prosper economically and socially. But at the same time, uh, COVID-19 pandemic is also exposing the vital nature of so many socially and economically undervalued as well as underpaid professions, which are essentially shouldered by women. And that is particularly the case of uh, healthcare, which is a highly feminized sector. And indeed, it is quite interesting to point out that the EU gender pay gap uh, average lies at 16%. But if we apply it to the health sector, it goes as high as 30%. However, the principle of equal pay for work of equal value has been enshrined in the European treaties since 1957. So where did we fail here and what is the EU doing to address this issue seriously? Well, I would like to divide this answer in, in these two questions that, that you mentioned first, where we failed and then what we are doing to address the, this issue uh, seriously. I think it's true that the, the coronavirus pandemic has highlighted the enormous uh, gender dimension in the healthcare system. Uh, women have been at the forefront of the corona crisis since they are making up to 70% of the global health and social workforce. However, uh, women healthcare workers tend to occupy lower status positions. For example, nurses and midwives tend to be a minority among more highly trained uh, health professionals. For example, doctors or, or dentists and are underrepresented in, in decision-making positions in the sector. So all of this has been uh, ignored for a long time and we have failed both in the recognition of their work as well as in unequal pay and, and poor treatment. And, and this crisis has highlighted all of this and now we need to put an eye on it and, and address this issue seriously. And for the European Union, and so going to the to the second question, the eradication of these gender-based inequalities in health is a policy priority. And there are several examples on this that have been through the years. For example, in 2006, uh, the European Council adopted an, an statement on common values and principles in the EU healthcare systems, in which the Council included equity defined as equal access according to need, regardless of ethnicity, gender, age, social status, or ability to pay. So we have uh, seen this problem since long time ago, but it's true that it has not been solved as we are seeing. 
there are also uh, other examples. For example, in 2008, the Commission also uh, launched the first program of community action in the field of health that was for the term of 2008-2013, which included the uh, specific commitment to reduce these health inequalities. And the next program was 2014-2020 that was strengthened that commitment. So we have seen some steps by the Commission, but also from the European Parliament, which in 2011 adopted a resolution on reducing the health inequalities in the European Union, uh, highlighted common values and principles such as the equality. Between others, uh, the resolution underlined that women are underrepresented in clinical trials and inequality in accessing healthcare due to economic reasons. So we have seen that during this, these years, this, uh, we have seen this matter on the agenda at some point, but we need more action. And during this pandemic, we have seen that this action uh, is more, maybe now is more urgent uh, than ever. So we as uh, social democrats, uh, we must do our utmost to improve uh, the economic situation and working condition of the health workers. We bet on, on limiting the number of hours a healthcare worker can work under normal circumstances, increasing the number of available healthcare workers, uh, guaranteeing decent salaries, offering lifelong learning opportunities, providing better work-life balance. I mean, in general, we need to, to improve uh, these systems in all the the countries that that, that conforms this 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 European Union because we have seen during this pandemic uh, many differences between countries and we need to act uh, as a union and for this reason we need to to improve it uh, all together. As you clearly demonstrate, uh, the the gender inequalities are being extremely exacerbated by the current pandemic, uh, and that is particularly the case in the health sector. But the inequalities are not limited to the health sector. Uh, and one field that you have already pointed at is the, the inequalities when it comes to the unequal share of unpaid care. Indeed, not everyone is equal in the face of the quarantine. Juggling remote uh, work with childcare and household duties uh, also pose, pose serious questions as women are the ones mostly responsible for those tasks, even in a dual earners couples. Uh, amongst parents of uh, young children, recent data mainly confirms that work-life balance conflicts are troubling women much more than men. Just to give an example, uh, one-third of the women surveyed found it hard to concentrate on their work, and that was only the case for one-sixth of men. Similarly, family responsibilities have prevented 24% of women from giving the time that they wanted to work, uh, against only 13% of men. So how is the European Parliament addressing these uh, specific impacts of the increasing flexibilization of work in the light of these considerations? Well, the balance between professional and private life is a key issue when talking about gender inequality in the labor market. Many of the obstacles that women face through their careers are not imposed just by the employers, but by their obligations in their private lives. So the patriarchy has imposed uh, on women, not on men, certain tasks such as the care of the household, children and the elderly. And this has been even more evident 
as a result of this crisis since uh, telework has increased and women have been even more dis disadvantaged. So reconciling work and life is an issue that the EU policymakers are working on. Uh, the EU work-life balance directive entered into force in August 2019 and is in process of adoption by member states. Uh, this directive, uh, what aims is to improve uh, families' access uh, to family leave and flexible work arrangement. For example, uh, the directive uh, obliges all member states to introduce the paternity leave for a minimum of 10 days. So from the European Parliament, uh, we are asking for binding provisions on the gender pay gap and pay transparency, uh, which uh, also apply to the public and private sectors uh, with, with a clear objective that is having clear targets and monitoring uh, to measures to, to, to progress. So uh, also from the European Parliament on last January, a group of 30 MEPs called on the Commission to present an ambitious uh, strategy for gender equality. And that's why the Commission did it, as we mentioned on, on March, when launched the Gender Equality Strategy 2020-2025, a program that sets out concrete uh, objectives and actions in order to achieve progress on gender equality in Europe. So the strategy includes concrete measures like, I will summarize just three of them, making EU rules on work-life balance for women and men working practice. Uh, for that, the Commission, uh, what proposed is to ensure that member states transpose and implement those rules and to promote equal uptake uh, of family leaves and flexible working arrangements. Also, uh, improving access to high quality and affordable uh, childcare and other care services by investing uh, in care services and adopting uh, such important issue as the child guarantee, uh, an initiative supported by uh, the Social Democrats in the European Parliament. And also, the last example, uh, making uh, sure that women and men receive equal pay for the same work and for work for equal value. That is an issue that needs to really uh, be faced because, I mean, for me, it's unbelievable that in the 21st century, we are uh, still talking uh, about these issues. So to know the consequences of, of this situation, Eurofound, for example, has launched uh, the Living, Working and COVID-19 survey that is a, an anonymous questionnaire that aims to capture the, the most immediate changes in the quality of life and work of people in order to help to know the implications and, and the impact. And the results uh, will help to generate uh, policies in order for both men and women to, to engage equally in the labor market, carrying responsibilities and that have to be uh, shared equally. So we need to, to understand it. Uh, and the message is really clear. I mean, we need to all have the same opportunities and be treated equally. That's the most important goal that, that we have when, when we do uh, policies on, on this matter and on every matter. I mean, uh, equality is one of the most important values when, when we do policies. You shared uh, the insights of the, of the recent uh, Eurofound survey, which uh, actually provides very useful data on what is uh, women's uh, experience during the pandemic. 
Uh, and it, what is quite interesting to see is that the, the increase of teleworking for women would normally, or at least in pre-corona times, would have been seen as a positive development. But we see that in the current context, with women having to, uh, to juggle between uh, homeschooling, care, and so on, more flexible and work-life balance needs further improving as well. Because uh, the results also seem to, to hint at the fact that uh, fathers do not necessarily uh, take the opportunity to increase their contribution to the, to the family responsibilities. So, uh, so, so Alicia, um, I would like to particularly focus on, uh, on the case of uh, single mothers or wom- women uh, facing multiple discriminations stemming either from their migrant background, or their disability, their age, their sexual orientation or belief. Uh, these women face uh, particular additional challenges uh, in reconciling uh, work and, uh, and family. So uh, what, in your opinion, can be, can be done in order to ensure that the extra challenges they face do not discriminate them further in their employment and life opportunities? Well, um, to ensure that uh, the additional challenges that some women face do not become another burden, uh, we need to address the gender dimension from an intersectional and intergenerational point of view. Uh, In other words, uh, we have to integrate the gender perspective in all political spheres, at all levels, and in all phases of uh, policy formulation. Also, uh, in a single parent uh, home, uh, probably uh, one of the essential aspects uh, for a woman uh, to have a full-time job is to invest more on child care services. And in this sense, uh, one of the priorities of the socialists and democrats is to urgently implement a European children's child guarantee Uh, that avoids not only the increase in levels of poverty and social exclusion among the youngest, but also helps to prevent precarious uh, employment among uh, women. Uh, So governments, uh, progressives overall, uh, and civil society have started to put their efforts in uh, comparing the uh, gender pay gap uh, in Spain, for example, that, that is my country and is, is from where I, I know uh, the, the most. Uh, and also in other uh, EU member states, uh, we have approved comprehensive uh, gender strategies that tie with uh, the pay gap. And in, in Spain, the government also established uh, new mechanisms for labor inspectors to detect these discriminations uh, in salary uh, compensations. So I think that uh, for sure the, the, the main uh, goal on this is to work on these policies from a transversal perspective and to look on it uh, in, in every policy that, that, that we make. Well, speaking of uh, uh, discrimination, uh, there's one group that particularly faces uh, this, uh, this kind of challenges, and those are young women. And you, Alicia, you count amongst the, the youngest member of the European Parliament, as well as the 41% of female elected members. 
So you could not uh, represent better this, uh, this age group. And in fact, uh, you are the president uh, as well of, uh, of, yes, the Young European Socialist Progressive Youth Organization. So as such, you, you probably know that reality more than, than anyone else. And so what is, in your view, uh, the, the extra challenges that we need to pay attention to uh, when we speak about uh, young female workers and job seekers? I know about the situation and I suffer it because I always say that being a woman is, is, not, is not easy, but if, if you are young, it's, it's even less easy sometimes. And mostly when you are in a, in a world uh, of men, I mean, that you are... Uh, uh, like um, where, where there are a lot of men. So I think that during this, this COVID crisis, uh, it has uh, emphasized that while young workers are more re resistant to the virus than other age groups, uh, they are more vulnerable to the social work and economic uh, impacts. And more particularly uh, young women, because we face this double discrimination Uh, in, ten, in terms of uh, employability, one for being woman and, and the other for being young. Um, and the patriarchal uh, social system is, of course, uh, the source of inequality in, in, in salaries. Women have historically uh, been uh, discriminated in the labor market uh, due to multiple factors. For example, uh, there exists a clear occupational and sectoral segregation in all EU economies. And this means that uh, sometimes of jobs, uh, usually the well-paid ones, where stereotypes say that are jobs for men. And as they are very few female workers in these sectors, uh, young girls do not have uh, role models in these professions and will uh, less likely wish to work as, as, as one of them. And I think that is a, a reality and it's a huge problem nowadays that we are uh, changing uh, mostly the, the, the types of, of, of work. So this factor is likely to deepen inequalities in the future labor market uh, as profession will drive to this uh, digitalization and autom automation of the economy uh, are largely uh, dominated by, by men. The numbers are clear. I mean, only 22% of uh, AE programmers are women, and the percentage of men working in the digital sector is 3.1 times higher than, than of women. So in other words, uh, the jobs that digitalization uh, will require in large quantities and with very good conditions, have a very low presence of, of women. So uh, furthermore, social democrats believe uh, that uh, this is the time to promote a European employment warranty, uh, youth warranty also uh, based on the already existing youth uh, employment warranty system, uh, an active employment policy that tries to guarantee that all young people under 25, and if it can be increased uh, to 30, uh, much better, uh, will receive a quality offer uh, of work, education, uh, and internship. Uh, because we have seen that this system has worked because since 2014, uh, each year more than 3.5 uh, million young people have benefited from this system. 
And that shows that uh, uh, the figures that the youth unemployment has decreased from the peak of 24% in 2013 to 14% uh, to 2019. So I think that we should uh, reinforce uh, uh, these systems, uh, give more uh, opportunities uh, to young people, but most importantly, doing it equally. And that uh, a woman can work and, and can be whatever uh, she wants to be as a man is doing uh, by, naturally by, by, by themselves, but a woman needs to have the same right. And, and perhaps also uh, because, you know, much has been said also of the, the, the challenges of, of the growth in the past week due to the, due to the pandemic, uh, but we, we saw also quite some uh, positive or at least hopeful trends. Uh, if we take the example of uh, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand the, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern uh, suggested employers to consider a four-day working week uh, as well as other uh, work, work, flexible working options. Uh, on another note, the, the Spanish uh, socialist government backed a minimum income, income scheme for vulnerable families. And we know that single parents are the most at risk of poverty and those happen to be women in the majority of the cases. So is the, is the current crisis in a way opening the door to more progressive families uh, to more progressive policies uh, directly benefiting women, including in the la labor market? Uh, and would this be an opportunity to push uh, for um, a new wide minimum wage scheme, for instance? Well, yes, uh, I think you are right. This indicates that the current socialist government is concerned with uh, confronting inequalities. Uh, and poverty with active and strong economic and social measures. Uh, now is the time if we don't do it in, in, in the worst times, if we don't help in the worst times, uh, I mean, why we are here, no? So uh, thanks to it, uh, up to 850,000 uh, households will be able to, to apply for, for this aid. Um, this policy takes women into account since the measure provides extra help for single parent uh, families, uh, mostly made up uh, of women, and it warranties uh, them an income uh, of between 700 and 977 euros, depending on the, on the number of, of children that, the, the, that they have. And the requirements are more flexible for, for women uh, victims of gender violence, or victims of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. So it takes into account uh, all these all these uh, perspectives. Regarding to the question, also the the answer is is, is yes, but not only uh, to to women, but uh, to all the society as a whole. Since all progressive all progressive policies, uh, both employment and social, are in in favor of of, of workers. Uh, a good proposal uh, for this is the recent rise in the minimum wage uh, that has taken place in a, in a Spain a few a few months ago, and the current fair minimum wages proposal that the EU as a whole uh, is proposing uh, uh, that is a proposal that advocates uh, for a decent standards uh, of living, and I think that uh, we should work uh, more than ever on. On, on, on this thing because uh, with fair minimum wages for sure we will 
uh, improve the lives of our citizens, and and for sure uh, uh, they will they will see also the the importance of the European Union since it's coming from from uh, from my European uh, uh, policy. Mm -hmm. um... All right. So it seems that we are slowly running uh, towards the the end of this uh, of this podcast. So uh, we usually, or at least I, I like to ask our speakers uh, about uh, a cultural or inspirational recommendation. Uh, and particularly in the current context, we know that the cultural sector, which by the way uh, employs a high share of uh, female artists, is uh, going through a very challenging time. So what would be your personal uh, cultural recommendation uh, for our listeners uh, to come out of this crisis stronger and more inspired than before? Uh, well, um, during this confinement situation, because, well, you know, in Spain, we have been uh, maybe <laughs> more, more time in home than um, in other countries. Um, My cultural recommendation uh, is I, I've been reading some books uh, about feminism, actually. Uh, the ones of Chimamanda Ngozi, I don't know if you all know her. Uh, there is the first one, is, uh, the first one that I read was We All Must Be Feminism, Feminist. Um, this book, I mean, She's a, an African girl. You, you see the perspective of the feminism in, 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 in Africa. Uh, I, I also bought the several, she has some books and are quite short and really easy to read and really clear. And the message is, is, is really strong. So I could really recommend uh, to, to read her because she gives this perspective. But also, I have read the ones from Nuria Varela, is a Spanish uh, uh, writer, also about feminism, uh, that shows the more the European or the, the yes, the European uh, perspective of feminism, and, and you see both perspectives that are quite different. I mean, uh, the fight uh, in Africa or the fight in in Europe, how different is this? Even if it's a, a, a global fight. Uh, how different it is in the in the, in the different uh, in different countries. So I think it's quite interesting to to read to see uh, both perspectives, well, both or or also from other uh, continents, and 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 keep on the fight on it because I think that now more than ever we need to keep uh, going a step by a step, uh, even. Uh, uh, stronger than than ever so this would be my 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 cultural recommendations uh reading reading these books thank you for that something we'll definitely make sure to to add to the list uh, and also to understand better that uh, feminism is just not something to be declined in the plural but simply uh, that there are many types of uh, feminism Uh, so I thank you very much, Alicia, for this uh, insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FebsTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned. <laughs>